And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to the Jill on Money show. It's Saturday, November 11th, and we are here trying to help you make better financial decisions. And we do that by encouraging you to go to our website, jillonmoney.com, jillonmoney.com and clicking on the contact us button. If you complete that form, we get your email. We do email episodes every week. And we also are very happy if you want to join us on the program live, just check that box and Mark does everything else. Today and tomorrow, we've got a special guest. It's Joel Dixon. He is the global head of enterprise advice methodology at Vanguard. Wow, what a title. He knows a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff. Today, we are talking about healthcare savings accounts, which I think are unbelievable and probably somewhat underutilized by many of you. We're talking about Roth options and the perennial excitement of social security. I know this applies to a lot of you. If you're interested and you have a follow-up about your own situation, of course, get in touch with us. Right now, let's get to our interview with Joel Dixon. Listen, this is the time of year, I want to get right into this, where we get about a bazillion questions. And since you are the head of advice methodology at Vanguard, I thought this was a good way to start. Here's the most common question we get during open enrollment. People are like, I got this idea about an HSA, a health savings account. And a lot more people are using high deductible plans with that are paired with health savings accounts. And they really like them. It's sort of this extra form of saving in the future. How would you describe the health savings account, how one could incorporate that, not just about paying for health care, but about retirement? 
it, it really gets back to the structure of the health savings account, both in terms of how you contribute, when you contribute, and what the tax effects are of contributions and savings through a health savings account. And along all of those dimensions, a health savings account has many attractive features that people can use as not just a way to save for healthcare expenses, but also potentially as a way to save for long-term retirement savings needs. All right. So talk about that a little bit, though. How would you stack this up in the choices that so many American workers have right now? So they have a retirement account and maybe they will have their own Roth IRA and maybe they have the ability to use an HSA. Do you think that there should be a ranking of what they should use first? So there is a bit of a decision that you have to make for how you're going to use the health savings account assuming you have access to one and contribute to one. And that is, are you going to save it, use it as a savings vehicle, the long-term savings, much like you would an IRA or your 401k plan? Or are you going to use it as a more tax-efficient way to pay ongoing healthcare expenses in, say, the current year and over the short term? That has some differences in how you might want to think about contributing. But generally, because... The contributions to an HSA reduce your taxable income, that is their tax deductible. Because the investment growth within an HSA is tax deferred, that is you're not taxed on the gains year after year. And third, that any qualified medical related withdrawals are tax free. The HSA actually looks a lot more like some forms of IRAs or individual retirement accounts. And so if you're saving long term, you probably want to think about contributing to an HSA pretty high up in your savings order. That is, mm. well, you probably want to take advantage of a match in your employer's plan and your 401k contribution. But after that, you know, the HSA often looks pretty attractive relative to other savings vehicles because of its flexibility, because of its tax efficiency. Let's just talk while we're at it about what you are seeing at Vanguard in the adoption of, just generally speaking, Roth retirement versus the the traditional pre-tax retirement accounts. How are people who are either using retirement plans through work or just funding their own, uh, do you see just a big uptick in the Roth? Because we just get slammed with questions about Roth versus traditional. When should I use it? Is there any case where you'd say no to Roth? You know, Mark is a huge Roth fan. So how do you think about that? You know, the Roth and the traditional, whether we're talking within a 401k plan or, or in an IRA, is really just the flip side of the same coin. You know, in the traditional IRA uh, structure, you're taxed uh, when you withdraw the money and you get a tax deduction when you uh, contribute. With the Roth, you don't get taxed when you withdraw the money, assuming certain conditions are met, but you don't get a tax benefit up front. What that allows you to do is really think as an, as an individual or as a saver about, boy, are my taxes going to be higher now or are they going to be higher in the future? And based on that, that gives you some guidance as to where the Roth or the traditional may be more appropriate for your own situation. But in terms of what we're seeing um, you know, at, at Vanguard, for example, there is a lot of adoption from the Roth standpoint especially on an annual IRA contribution basis. 
because the Roth is actually more available to more investors than, uh, say, a traditional IRA contribution is because it has income limits that are lower. Uh, it has different rules on withdrawals that you know make the access to the money a lot harder if you're, especially if you're uh, younger than 59 and a half. So from an IRA standpoint, you see a lot more contributions of late going to Roth rather than traditional. Now, that said, you still see uh, the vast majority of assets or asset growth in traditional IRAs because that's still the major vehicle by which people roll over amounts from their uh, employer retirement plans, which predominantly historically have been in traditional 401k type uh, structures. Definitely seeing more adoption though of both Roth options within employer-sponsored plans and the use of those Roth options in employer-sponsored plans. But I would say they are actually underutilized, Jill. Um, really? Yeah, probably only uh, about 10% of eligible retirement plan participants who have access to a Roth account actually use it. Um, but the use cases for using Roth either in conjunction with traditional contributions or as a substitute for traditional 401k type contributions, the use cases are probably much larger than sort of 10% of the employee population. I have been wondering whether, you know, so much of our conversation about retirement plans really does kind of divide us in some ways because there are a lot of people who have jobs where they don't have retirement plans available to them, right? And we know that they then fall so much behind in saving for retirement. So does Vanguard have a position about how to create more of a universal approach to retirement? So we've actually been very big supporters over the years of, you know, default investment structures or options for um, retirement plans, um, you know, because so many folks, even those that are eligible or have access to a plan, are unengaged with their own retirement savings. And so getting more participation into longer term retirement savings, whether it be through tax incentives or default structures or approaches, is something that we have seen a ton of value in terms of thinking about long term retirement savings over time and continue to look at ways to essentially create default type systems to allow investors to save more and to save uh, actually better, if you will, over time. You know, it's amazing to me that, of course, we're human beings, right? So if we make it easy for people, I'm not saying that, you know, behavioral economics or finance solves every problem. But what we do know is this is one problem that is solved with an automatic default, right? It's just that you can't automatically default to something if we don't have a structure to handle that. What's your view at this point on the idea about some of the social security questions that we get as we fold that into retirement? Can you give the um, the global head of advice methodology hat that you have and um, tell us how people should be thinking about their social security benefit as it folds into their retirement planning? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's really 
an important question, Jill, and I'm very glad you asked because oftentimes, and again, it gets back to the sort of behavioral kind of ways that we all think, we tend to separate for thinking about retirement our income sources and our assets. But yet Social Security is in many ways the best and most valuable asset that most Americans have as they're going into retirement. If you think about the present value of their expected Social Security income as an asset, and it kind of automatically converts, it's kind of the best form of an annuity, if you will, into a monthly or annual uh, income stream. And so when you're thinking about what it is you need for maintaining your own standard of living or your basic living expenses that you want to cover in retirement, Social Security is a key, key element of you know, that equation. And you, know, you can't think of your investment portfolio separate from your Social Security or a pension or work that you might have, or even your home equity that you might have, because all of these can be tapped and converted to income in different ways and all have a potential role of contributing to retirement income. So social security itself, very large, very important part of the retirement income discussion and how to think about it. I always say to people, you know, like one of the best things you can do is to work longer, but then often Many of our listeners are like, look, I hate my job or my job is physically demanding. And I, I do get that. But I'm with you. Like the Social Security is a big part of your planning. And to just sort of say, oh, I'm I'm not going to pay attention. You got to pay attention to it. And you have to be smart about the decisions you make around your Social Security, right? Because I kind of get bummed out when I hear people say, oh, I took my Social Security at 62. It's just the worst. It really is. Uh, don't do that if you can't. Okay, tomorrow, Joel is going to be back on the program and we are going to be talking about withdrawal rates. Woohoo! I know you're psyched. I'm psyched. It's actually really an important conversation as you contemplate retirement, whether you're 30 or 60 or 80. Just doesn't matter. It applies to every one of us. So stay tuned. That will be tomorrow. It is Saturday today. Have a wonderful day. Don't forget to go to the website, sign up for the free weekly newsletter and subscribe to the Jill on Money live service. You'll have access to quarterly live webinars. Next one is the beginning of December. We are going to be doing year end and tax planning. Oh my gosh, so important. Lots of great bonus special content. Just go to jillonmoney.com. Do me a favor, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. And you can listen to this on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Do something nice for someone else today. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.